Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionise the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Penny Haslam to the Scale Her Up podcast. Hello. Penny is a former BBC TV presenter and author of the book, Make Yourself a Little Bit Famous. Welcome, Penny. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure, Brenda. Hello. Happy to be here for sure. So you've got you've got very interesting backstory in your journey to uh, to becoming a business owner. Would you like like to just share that for the for the listeners, please? Yes, if I can, without going on for five hours, because everyone's got a story, haven't they? And it's it's often quite involved for entrepreneurs. I'd love to say that I was one of those people who bounded out of school and went right. I'm going to set up on my own. It's going to be brilliant. I wasn't. I did what everyone else did back in the day and tried to get a job. And I got a job at the BBC, which was brilliant, as a secretary. And then I worked my way up uh, to finally, when I was, when I finally left um, 15 years later, I was presenting the business news on the BBC Breakfast programme and the news channel, as well as doing Radio 5 Live and Radio 4. Prior to that, I'd been a producer and a researcher. So I'd really gone through the sort of career progression that most people or a lot of people do, you know, when they're in a job. Getting, getting a promotion, getting a better job, that kind of thing. So mine just happened to be at the BBC. Mm-hmm. And really, my desire to communicate is a theme that's ran throughout uh, all of my career to help others communicate and for me to communicate, to be heard and to make sure I listen as well. And it was when I left the BBC by oh, a very strange route. Again, another four hour story, probably Brenda. Um, <laughs> I got a call actually, I was on the telly quite a lot. I was on the telly every day and I was presenting the business news, uh, you know, 22 the hour, every hour pretty much, talking about the FTSE 100 or interviewing Tesco about latest share prices, that kind of thing. And I wasn't digging it. I wasn't feeling it. I just, I didn't find it that stimulating. And the whole you know, effort of going on air every day, honestly, getting your hair done, getting your nails done, putting a load of makeup on, doing a 10, 12 hour shift and still smiling at the end of it. You know, I found it a bit of a grind and the the early mornings were very difficult as well, but I did it, you know, cause it was amazing. It was an amazing thing to be doing. And uh, I got a call from a nas- international, actually a uh, weight loss company uh, saying, we're not saying you're fat but would you like to lose weight and take part in our national advertising campaign? This was in 2013 and it was Weight Watchers. And I was like, okay, um, I am overweight. I, I was carrying baby weight. And yes, the baby was about seven by then, but you know, nonetheless, I still had a load of baby weight. I wasn't feeling comfortable in myself, in my clothes, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really know what to do about it. And I hadn't really done anything about it. So I bit their hand off. Uh, to take part and I was one of the celeb ambassadors uh, at the time with Patsy Kensett and um, 
what's his name? Wallace from MasterChef. <laughs> I've forgotten his name. Um, Greg, Greg Wallace. Yeah, and we're all packing a few pounds. We all lost a few of those pounds and had a great year on a television advert and doing lots of PR and stuff for Weight Watchers. But it was at the end of that that I had to decide what did I do next? Did I go back into broadcasting to where I wasn't that happy, to be honest, or that stimulated? Uh, or do I do something else? And it was at that point, the research about the numbers of men and women on TV and radio who were being interviewed as experts was shocking, you know, shocking discrepancy between how many men are interviewed in an hour of the Today programme on Radio 4, for example, compared with the number of women. And they were the kind of people who I'd been booking all of my career experts. Uh, expert contributors, people who could comment on the news, they weren't necessarily part of the news. Now those figures had come out and it showed that there were barely any women on air and it was really bad and all the broadcasters were going, oh, we hadn't noticed before. I mean I'd noticed, I mean if you'd worked in broadcasting and you were female you probably would have noticed that your contact book was full of Johns and Davids and Justins and Tarquins and you know, not very many women, especially in business. And I'd always found that really uncomfortable when I was working there. It's like, why are there so many men on air? Is it because women aren't very good at business? And, you know, as an early junior researcher, it, it, I didn't have any answers and I couldn't provide any. Um, so yes, that those figures came out from a university research study and I jumped on that. And I wanted to create a business that would help women flourish on TV and radio. And it started from there. And so entrepreneurially, I tested the market. Uh, my market positioning wasn't great to begin with. I hadn't got that sussed. I was very unsure of myself running a business because it's easy being a business journalist, I tell you. But actually being in business, oof. There's a lot to think about, isn't there? <laughs> there certainly is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that was six, seven years ago and it's it's morphed from being just me and Penny Haslam's Expert Women, which is what I started off as, my first limited company. I, uh, I mothballed that, I became Penny Haslam Limited and broadened what I did into helping people on podcasts, on video, speak. And by that time I'd become a professional speaker um, and really enjoyed that communication again, you know. So I'd say half of my business is me on stages being paid to speak uh, or working within corporates and, and SME, large SMEs um, to help their teams communicate and then running the training and coaching business as well, which is about communication and, and confidence now, actually. So um, I've developed, like most entrepreneurs, I don't really feel like a success story um, I feel like I'm on a journey and I feel like I have, you know, yet to do a lot more in my life. So uh, it's been quite interesting. So sorry, that's not quite four hours, but it was quite a long answer. <laughs> no, it's, that's great. That's great. You have recently written a book. When, when I read your book, actually, I was very aware that there were quite a few references to women in business and gender balance being unbalanced, if you mm. like. So I, I knew I knew that you and I would have a a great chat around around this and great that you know, your first business was there helping helping women. So um, that's, yeah, great to hear your story. Tell us a bit about the book then and and the, the Making Yourself a Little Bit Famous. So the Make Yourself a Little Bit Famous title or phrase came about well before the book. 
and I was, I think I like a lot of things I've done in business, I've actually done them back to front. I've almost retrofitted what's gone on. So most people I'd say would have a successful or established business and then write a business book about their successes and all the rest of it. I wrote the book having spoken a lot about the topic about powering up your profile, getting known for what you do, whether you're a man or a woman, but it works particularly well, lends itself particularly well to women and emerging female talent in larger organizations, but also for entrepreneurs and small business owners as well to become the figureheads of their business. So I'd been speaking about this topic for a long time and I'd been encouraging people to do everything I set out in the book, which is things like run for mayor. So don't just go out being salesy because we all feel a bit show-offy when we do that uh, and pushing yourself forward maybe with an elevator pitch. No, think about being um, helpful, useful. What would a mayor do? What would their campaign issues be? They'd be about the people in front of them and how they can help those people. So that might be clients, it might be colleagues, it might be the boss. You know, how can you position yourself as an expert with some interesting and useful stuff? And then the, the other bit of running for mayor is about the campaign trail. Where are you going to shake the hands, kiss the babies, knock on the doors, <laughs> doors of people? Is it through speaking at meetings? Is it through taking part in podcasts? You know, what's re what's a good strategy for your mayoral campaign? So I was talking about this. I was packaging up big keynote speeches on this topic, and then it. I thought, well, this is a book, isn't it? There's enough content here to make a book that would take things like usually very expensive media training and put it into the hands of business owners or people who are going to go on videos or take part in podcasts. How can they package up what they're going to say? Communicating again, how can they do it confidently? So it fell into the shape of the book and the title of it is was a little bit of a long time coming because I did have that first iteration of Penny Haslam's Expert Women, which actually, Brenda, spells out the word few really brilliantly. So the logo for that business looked amazing. The business wasn't quite as good. Um, but I then made it into something like the expert advantage. But a lot of the audience that I was speaking to wouldn't necessarily say or call themselves an expert. Um, there was a lot of confidence issues there about saying that and feeling a bit like, oh, I'm bragging, I'm showing off if I say that I'm an expert because there's always somebody who knows more than I do, they are more expert than I am. So unless I was speaking to lawyers or accountants who have you know, the badges to prove that they are experts, they have the certificates, um, it wasn't really something that audience was, audiences were, were hanging on to and resonating with. And I was having this brilliant conversation with a friend of mine about all of this. How do you make your content you know, leap off the page so that event organizers book you to speak and audiences understand what you're talking about really straight away. And there's a real skill to it. I mean, the, the, the book title for men are, from, men are From Mars, Women Are From Venus apparently took 10 years to come up with. So, <laughs> and it's a brilliant title, isn't it? it? It's completely far removed from what the original might have been, which is you know, relationship differences, how to work them out, which is the dry stuff. And so I was chatting about this issue with experts and all the rest of it. And she said, for goodness sake, what is it that you're trying to share with people? What do you want to tell them really? You know, gut deep down, what is it? 
and I was frustrated and annoyed and it was a you know quite a tedious long business conversation you know that were going around the houses a lot and I just said oh for goodness sake I just want people to make themselves a little bit famous and she she looked at me and I looked at her and sort of oh that's it oh, the lights went on the twinkles in the eyes came out and we're like yep that's it that's what it is it's making you just a little bit you're not massively famous <laughs> no one wants to be that much of a show off but nor do they want to be a best kept secret so um i wrote the book i looked at the book with my other half my husband my best pal, you know, my person, my person in my world who is a TV director and producer. And we looked at it and went, do you know what? This is a bigger business. Bit Famous is a business now. It's not just me as a one woman band doing coaching and training and a bit of speaking. It's like, let's see if we can scale this at some point. Let's get our ducks in a row so we can perhaps help more people more of the time. So we're on our next iteration of the journey, really. And of course, launch that business in the beginning of a global pandemic as one does <laughs> yes there, there there have been challenges for everyone <laughs> um through through 2020 and in, into 2021 but i, I love the I, I think it's genius trying to help well in my case it's entrepreneurs women entrepreneurs or or any entrepreneur to put themselves out there a bit and show that they're they're an expert and they can help. So what for the listeners who are women women in business looking to step up, start up or scale up, how does being a little bit famous help their business? Well, it helps in all ways. <laughs> I mean, I'll flip the I'll flip the example round. So I have a business coach and I found her because she was recommended to me. So She'd done a good job with her. She was good at what she did, basically. That was good. And then I sought her out. I Googled her and I looked for her. And there she was. She was doing some videos. She was speaking to camera really naturally, just from her office desk. And she was doing a sort of end of year, how to reflect on your year to find out where your successes have been, where you could have done better, but really where has the business come from? What have you enjoyed doing? and therefore do more of that the, the following year. You know, it was kind of end of year, get your ducks in a row for the next year. What goals are you going to go for? It was brilliant. Nine minutes she spoke for, looking mostly at the camera, just speaking off the top of her head. She had a few notes, nothing more. She wasn't nervous or flustered and she knew what she was talking about. I mean, anyone who can speak for nine minutes on a topic like that is really sort of, and it hooked me in. I had, I was making notes. I was thinking, God, this is really interesting. She's really good. Oh, she could be really good with me. Mm. Now I could have just left it there and gone away and done it on my own or I had tried to have a go on my own, but I was in the market at the right time. So she then became, then became my coach. Fantastic. But you think about other types of business owners, small business owners who have really, really raised their profile and, sh and powered up their profile and got known for what they do. And those are people like, you know, the Tesla guy, uh, Richard Branson, Alan Sugar, they are in the in the media, they are on TV and they are massive and, and have been doing that for a long time. But if you think about the access to all the types of different um, places of visible, you know, where we can be visible, I mean, you'd be foolish not to be thinking about raising your profile when you've got free platforms, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that, um, and using them 
and communicating with your clients, your potential clients and your existing clients and turning up. Now, the challenge I think for a lot of people is time. They think that this is going to take them loads of time and quite often it does to begin with. And that's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when you think, oh, I just want to have a YouTube channel because that's where my customers are going to see me the most. Oh, but it takes quite a bit of time getting used to doing videos, speaking about your topic, that sort of thing. But the more you do, the more you can do, the easier it becomes, easier it becomes. It might also challenge you. It might take you out of your comfort zone. You might think, oh my gosh, I can't put myself forward to go on the local BBC um, programs on local BBC radio stations because I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to get asked a difficult question. I won't know what to say. And so it challenges us because we're not used to necessarily showcasing our expertise and we perceive it quite often to be showing off um, and being salesy, which is not a naturally comfortable space for a lot of people. I would say, especially women, I think we internalize a lot of issues to do with confidence and what people will think of us, whether we acknowledge that or not. Um, so I, I hope this book and the work that I do help support people in that because it is invaluable. So the cost of doing it by advertising is enormous and most small business owners don't have a PR agency or a publicist or a marketing department or anything like that. And I just think if you're going to go to a networking event, why don't you be one of the speakers at that networking event or one of the people taking part in the panel discussion? Because then the whole room gets to know you in one go. So it is time efficient rather than just shaking hands with 20 people. Well, you know, not anymore on, on virtual remote networking, but you know what I mean? Um, rather than individually trying to get each of their attention and understand more about them, they can understand loads about you from the get go. You can set up who you are, how you help people, the kind of person you are. And it's, it's absolutely invaluable. The, the piece around customers getting to know you is broken down. You know, immediately people get, think they know you. I had a call this morning actually on MS Teams, you know, one of those, hi, good morning, hi Steve, nice to meet you, hi Penny, lovely to meet you. And he said, I feel like I know you because I've seen lots and lots and lots of your videos to help with business. And I do lots of this kind of stuff all the time. So it was nice. It broke that down. He felt he knew me. I've had calls from people saying, I want to book you because I saw the video that you did. I get what you do. I get your personality. I want to book you to speak. So there's massive validity in doing this and if you're not you are missing a trick for sure how how should how would somebody go about stepping up to this then what's the first step to making yourself a little bit famous um to think about those campaign issues or you know to call it another thing your pet subjects your your key areas that you want to showcase we are all so passionate about what we do, aren't we? So we often think we have loads of things to say, but we don't normally. It's, there's normally one or two or maybe three sort of bigger umbrella issues that we can get our heads around. So if you're in, let's say, well-being, let's say you're in the well-being space and one of the things that you, you help people with is managing stress. I don't know. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. don't know. Um, then... Talk about just that 
And there are lots and lots of things underneath that that will be useful. So what do you want to position yourself or attach yourself to? And what is most useful for people to hear about? So as a business owner, you might also know about VAT, but that's not of interest to your customers, is it? So it's very simply do a bit of a Venn diagram of what you know about and what your customers are most likely to be most interested in. And then in the middle bit is what you should be dealing with. I think as well, if you are to um, consider going on TV or radio as an expert in the way that I've described, then think about what's of interest to the, the media. Well-being and stress management or stress management specifically might not be, but stress at work might be a bit a good business story that would get picked up. So try and think very specifically about your campaign issues and then plot your campaign trails. There are two bits to this. What are you going to talk about, generally speaking? What, you, what sort of territory are you going to be landing on? And being congruent about that as well. So yes, you might have other hobbies or interests, but don't diverse, diversify and go and talk about those as well because you might just dilute a little bit of the message. Then it's the campaign trail. Really important to think about this. Now, we, we get a bit panicked, I think, in business, don't we, Brenda, where people go, I'm, I've got to have a Facebook page. I've got to have a Facebook group, private member. I'm going to do a Facebook group. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get an Instagram thing going. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then actually don't get that much traction. Don't get that much interest and then feel like it's been a bit of a waste of time and therefore don't bother again doing anything like that. But those are just the, the mediums the buckets if you like. I once did a, a training course for a, a board of directors of a large association and there are about 12 people in the room and they're a bit kind of lost and some of them are going we need a Facebook page, we need this, we need to do this, we need to do that. And I said whoa 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 step back and I brought along with me like five or six little buckets, little tin buckets. They were new, by the way. They weren't dirty out of the garden or anything like that. They were new, shiny new things. And I said, right, we'll call that Facebook. We'll call that Instagram. We'll call that one LinkedIn. We'll call that one your website. You'll call that one, you know, etc." I said, what are you putting in them? And they went, oh, don't know. I hadn't thought that. So how are you going to fill those buckets? And who is going to be attend, you know, paying attention to what's in those buckets? Do you actually have anyone in your membership organization or, or business or customer base who goes to Facebook? Or is it more likely that your customers are going to be found on LinkedIn? So think strategically, you can't do everything. So think strategically about where your bods are turning up, where are your people and what are you gonna to say to them? And then use the who approach, work hard once. Do a video for Facebook, do, you know, and then share it a week later on Instagram. Then do one for LinkedIn, share it a week later on Twitter, whatever, whatever works for your business, but don't just have a go. Don't just rush at it with the activity because that's what we do, isn't it, in business? We think, if I just start doing something, it will mean something. No, you've got to sit back. And in fact, what I've found in the, over the last few months, over the last year or so is that Facebook isn't for me. It's not for my business anyway. LinkedIn a bit, but actually it's email campaign that's been really useful to me. So sending out emails that are useful, share my expertise and help people, or just help people, help people understand what you do, but also give your, give your stuff away and help people. Um, so yeah, I think that's the starting point is a piece of paper that says, well, what do I do? 
<laughs> how can I help people and where are they? Before you start leaping into getting expensive cameras or out or thinking about approaching local radio or anything like that. So I, I've put all of this into my, into my I say handbook, <laughs> it's a business book, but it's really a handbook. You can skim read it and then keep it on your shelf when you need it or when you want to speak at a networking event or when you think it's time now to approach the local radio station or the national radio station and get on air. So yeah, it's, it's all there for the taking. You've just got to think clearly about it. That's all. Have a plan. Yeah, the answer to your question, to the question I asked you sounds like have a plan, work out what you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've been guilty of this is just rushing at things. Uh, almost excitedly going, right, if I do a video, then I'll get some customers, um, <laughs> which may or may not be true, but it's not strategic particularly. And that is that is where it becomes part of your system or your process that you do through your business, which is so important that on a Monday, you'll pay attention to social media. On a Tuesday, you'll try and get yourself on a speaking uh, engagement or on a, on a panel discussion or a t attend something. So there's there's a lot to do. Getting exposure for what you do is important work. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> and I'm love I'm loving that who there. I will be using that if if that's okay with you. I will I will uh, I will credit you with it when well, I when I use that with my clients. I'm, but yeah, I'm not work sure hard it's once. Mine. I heard it. I don't know where I heard it. Work hard once is such a good thing, isn't it? It's like if you're going to do an email that you seem to be sending out regularly to people when they make an inquiry, maybe then. Do it as a pro forma so you can copy and paste it or better still do it as a shortcut on your keyboard. I don't know. It's just simple stuff like that, isn't it? I also like Ohio. Only handle it once. Kind oh, of like yeah. you like get some time management now. Yeah. We're on yes. what management? Time management. Oh, really, are we? Yes. All right, okay. Yeah. No, that's, um, we, yeah, that's, a, that's a big thing that I, I help my clients with is, is that time management because you know what it's like in business. You know, there's so much to do and only only a certain num number of hours in the day and you can't do everything. So if you open the email, read it and then close it and go back to it, that's just... That's handling it twice, isn't it? Wasting time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I heard it when uh, applied to a house move. You know, when you move house and all your boxes are need unpacking and actually you get a bit tired and you find yourself wandering around with, in your hand like with a candlestick and you put it down and then you go back to it and you pick it up and you maybe take it elsewhere and uh, it's just you need to only handle it once. <laughs> take it out the box put it away same in business same with all the emails and all your bits and pieces but I think as well um, making a plan that doesn't need to be fulfilled immediately you're not going to see immediate results with make yourself a little bit famous you you're not going to go right well that's a job done now I've been on TV and radio I've spoken at an event that's it me done it's actually and a, a piece that accompanies you throughout your working life and throughout being a business owner. If we take the example of someone who was regularly on air, he used to be in a corporate uh, job at Barclays. He used to be a Barclays stockbroker years ago when I first met him. He's called Justin Urquhart Stewart and he goes on air a lot. He started off speaking about the markets 20 years ago. He was booked on to Working Lunch. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, a big favourite amongst students on BBC Two from years ago. Um, on all the business programmes, he was also on Bloomberg, Sky, radio stations up and down the country. He was just a really good speaker on his topic. Again, a campaign issue 
and a campaign trail. And 20 years, 25 years later, he's now got his own business um, that he's made a massive success. He's moved on to do something else now. He is still asked back all the time to go and speak about his topic, which 25 years worth of marketing or advertising or free airtime as being seen as an expert, not just on air because something happened, but because you're an expert commentator is enormously valuable. So there's an acronym in the book that helps you save time when you're preparing for any sort of interview or any sort of moment in, in video or whatever you're doing. But also it saves you money because you wouldn't have this money to spend. I mean, millions and millions of quid is on a spent on advertising, but I don't know, I'm a small business. I don't have that kind of money. And also it's not quite as authentic as being yourself representing your business. So if you think about the difference between, I don't know, let's say an accountant um, who can help talk about new rules for VAT for import and exporting perhaps, they can also talk about, um, you know, end of year tax returns, that sort of thing, or making tax digital, lots of topics there to talk about. And then that person going on air and being recognized on radio or taking part in events is far more authentic as an individual and likable than the, the accountancy firm that advertises a roundabout. You know? <laughs> and, my, and my accountant does that. He, he admitted to me the other day that he actually advertises the roundabout near their office. I went, oh man, do you know what? That is the absolute opposite of what I would encourage you to do in terms of business. But anyway, they're a bit shy like that. So fair enough. But yeah, what's the point of advertising on a roundabout or any sort of advertising like that? Because it doesn't cut through. There's no personality there. There's no friendly face. There's no likability, is there? It's difficult. It's much more difficult, I think. And people buy from people, don't they? So they they don't get to know the people by the advert on the roundabout. So. Exactly, which is exactly why small business owners and you know women entrepreneurs can really mop up here because they can give themselves the permission to do all of this activity. Whereas if they were in corporate jobs, maybe if they were the chief executive, they might get to show their face, maybe. If they were the FD, maybe. But they wouldn't be given permission to be out there representing their brand necessarily. And I think a lot of women in corporates find that very frustrating. But a lot of women who run their own businesses can absolutely go for it and be brilliant and really valuable to the media, to event organizers, um, to customers when they make their own video on Facebook or wherever they're doing it. So yeah, I think there's a real opportunity here, uh, which means you can cut through, really stand out. Yeah, I totally agree. There also, you were talking about, you know, on panels and things, rightly or wrongly, you know, people argue both sides of it, but a lot of should be the best person for the for the speaking role whatever the gender but you know it, it is wrong to have panels panels full of men so <laughs> i suppose that the opportunity of for women to to step up there is 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 really huge isn't it yeah yeah on all of these um sort of platforms i mean i i know for a fact that if company a has got a man running it or offering themselves up as a, you know, the spokesperson to go on TV and radio, and company B has a female woman, um, the media will go for the woman because of the issues around gender balance on air and gender representation. 
And I know from getting women on air that they don't necessarily feel that it's their natural home. And same in, in panel discussions and same on speaker lineups when you've got a, a you know a day of speakers at a conference. We haven't spent the last 200 or whatever, millennia, whatever, seeing ourselves up there talking expertly. We're, we're relative newcomers to this arena. So we're not, it's not our natural entitled home to be on a stage or on a screen talking. It's, it's been, you know, it's been only the last 10 or 20 years that we've began to make progress in this area. So I think nonsense to the idea that it should be the best person for the job when it comes to speaking. I think it should be about enabling opportunities for people and encouraging them. And God, I still see conferences now with pretty much all male speakers. I may be the only female speaker, but where I can, I try and have influence. And when I'm chairing a panel discussion, which is the bread and butter of business events, isn't it? There's always a panel discussion in the afternoon of a conference, usually. Um, I will insist that, and I insist now, I don't just hope for the best. I make a point of asking the organizer who's on the panel, why isn't there, why aren't there more women? Why aren't there more people of color? BAME background people on there. How can we make that change? How can I help? Who can I point you to in this area? Who would be a really good person to have a go? But the challenge we have with that is that we might get asked to do something and we might say no to it because we've not done it before or we're not used to seeing ourselves doing it. So there is a real sort of challenge on the courage side of things is to say yes and then work it out and you know what it is a lot easier than people make out it to be it really is i mean i put on, on in my book please just read everything it's an instruction manual on how to be on a panel there's <laughs> an instruction manual on how to get on tv and then how to do a good job when you're there so really it's about saying yes being brave being brave and doing it and being a role model for others, I think, as well. But yeah, the, I mean, I love chairing WANLs, all women panels, and pretending like it's normal. So I won't mention the fact that it's an all-female panel at all. There will always be some joker in the audience who goes, oh, where's the diversity here? Because there's no, there's no men. It's like, well, well, you've had the last 2,000 years. Maybe, maybe a few panels that are all women now isn't such a bad thing come on give us a chance to <laughs> make the scores a little bit more balanced um so yeah and i think if if any men are listening I'd, I'd love that if you know you get asked to go on a panel don't say yes just say i've got a female colleague who would do a really good job so why don't we get her on instead so it's about sharing the spotlight i think nowadays yeah great great response to the the heckler as well there it's brilliant <laughs> so in terms of women in business you must come up uh, meet a lot of women entrepreneurs, uh, the the same as I do, and uh, you you're aware that the the reason that I started this podcast is because I want to make a difference to the numbers of women in business and women that are scaling up like like men are. But what what do you think we can do to make a difference to that? Well, you may not be surprised to hear me say that there is power in visibility in being out there being noticed, if you want to scale up as well, investors are going to love you if you are being seen a lot more, which doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, 
invest in PR or publicity campaigns that get you a few column inches in a trade mag or you know just get you a press release under the nose of somebody in a magazine so there is a real value to being the figurehead of your business because investors love it clients love it you can win better business you can win more business it's you know that there is I don't know, I don't know else to say it to be honest Brenda I am so passionate about this and I've seen it happen so often for people uh, you don't just have to go on dragon's den with a product in order to raise your profile and that that's the end of it you know for me it's not about learning how to be in business necessarily it's not necessarily being really au fait with every single bit of operation within your business you don't have to know how the the numbers work necessarily too much but you do have to represent your business i think otherwise you are a best kept secret otherwise you don't necessarily become super fluent in how you help people and your key messages that you can labor over all day long on the typewriter typewriter how old am i on the keyboard <laughs> you know when when you're in business you have a mission statement i'll have some key messages what do we stand for we're going to get out there with that actually speaking those things being fluent knowing how to flex that content as well depending on who you're speaking to and making it relevant to them will sharp, absolutely sharpen you as a business owner you will become a capable communicator and a confident communicator which is so attractive isn't it when we when we're drawn to people we think oh yeah they really know their stuff they're really solid in that and that's at the heart of growing your business and scaling it for me but you'd expect me to say that wouldn't you no i i totally agree with you i um i think it i think it's great i was also thinking as you were talking there you know that Women in business, one of the reasons why there are less of us is, is because the, we haven't had the role models. So as a woman, putting yourself out there, letting people see that you're a business owner and you're making a success of it and you know, get, making yourself a little bit famous is putting yourself out there as a role model for others. It's a huge gift, isn't it? It's a huge gift to the next generation or the, you know, your own generation. And I think women who come to business a bit older as well are fantastic um, role models but it doesn't have to be a certain way you don't have to do things in a certain way and I just don't you just love events where lots of women get together and they are open and honest about their journey and their challenges and their successes and celebrating that is really powerful and there's always been that age-old discussion about well, what why should women have their own networks why should women's events take place and everything and it really is just to galvanize us oh well, I think there's something in that Brenda isn't there gal you know galvan anyway Ooh, oh yes. yeah let's work with that <laughs> but really make us aware you know when I was growing up in my 20s as a researcher at the BBC I just thought it was men who did business I really did there were no role models around for me my mum had had a go at being in business. She was a she's a brilliant um, seamstress, dressmaker, and she set up something in the eighties, in uh, in our village where we grew up, making uh, wedding dresses and big ball gowns. You know, like the eighties was all about that Princess Diana, massive silk uh, taffeta satin or whatever it's called, big puffball sleeves and everything. And she worked her fingers to the bone on that, 
not being able to afford to employ someone to help her and not being a you know not having the confidence to think that people should help her and all the rest of it or to invest in her own business in that way to help it grow but she also equally didn't have anyone else around her who was a role model to her she had no support network networks weren't really established then and so my the message for me growing up was well women struggle in business and uh, they never reach they never make big business and they never reach the top of business. And so when I left the BBC, you know, and became a freelance journalist um, in the early noughties, it was a bit bewildering, but, and there wasn't that much online at that time either. So I spent, I think, 15 years just a bit lost and a bit wondering what I was doing until, you know, last week, really, when it all became clear. So, <laughs> but yeah, being those role models, and that's what got me into speaking, actually. I saw someone who runs a ladder company, Gail. She runs a ladder company in, in Bolton in the Northwest. And Gail spoke at an event at the IOD. And I saw her and it was like a woman speaking intelligently, expertly, with humor. A northern woman as well. That was that was important. And I needed that role model. And we all need role models who are a little bit like us, who we can go, wow, she bossed that. She was ace. I want a bit of that. I think I could do that. And that's when I started speaking. And now, you know, despite sometimes not being sure of myself, I make myself do this stuff or have done in the early days when I was really unsure. Like if you watch TEDx talk I did called The Power of Visibility for Women years ago, it wasn't that great. I have to say it was a bit wooden, a bit awkward. I think I smiled once, I was so nervous, but I made myself do it because, you know, it goes full circle. I believe that just representing femaleness on a stage and nowadays I strut a big stage or will do when we get back to them, strut a big stage, I'm funny, I don't use a micro, you know, I don't use um, notes, I don't stand behind the lectern, I interact with the audience, I'm flying, absolutely flying and buzzing and loving it. But it, you know, it's taken a while to get there. But I know that I am a great role model for other women in the audience who think, oh God, that's, she's dead nice, she is, she's dead funny. I could do that. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, and it's magic. It's so, so important and crucial. And I, I think that's the perfect message to end on, Penny. I would love to talk to you for hours. I could talk for hours um, as well, Brenda. Yeah, I don't we'll, know if you've got that. Let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's get together another time and, and do that some more. The, the message that I'm taking from you is that, you know, you have to step up and make yourself a little bit famous for the sake of your business, for the sake of yourself and for the sake of other women who need the role models to step up themselves. Yeah, it's just a small thing, isn't it? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so if anybody's keen to get some more tips on, on how to make themselves a little bit more famous, I thoroughly recommend Penny's book. It's been uh, very well received by my book club also, the, uh, the Business Book Club. So thank you very much, Penny, for, for, for agreeing to chat with me today. And I know that your, your interview is going to go down really well with my, uh, my listeners. Thank you, Brenda. It's thank just you, what Brenda. we're needing. It's been a real pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. 
don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcasts or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female and men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference. Mm -hmm.